We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. It's Triple for Chuck, Three Sports Radio 929, the game flagship station of the Hawks. Big win yesterday. Well, tomorrow night, they're in Dallas to take on the Mavericks and Luka. Then the Knicks come to town on Friday, and John Chuck will be back Friday after that 7, 7.30 uh, ball game there. Saturday, the Hornets. Then on Monday, the Hawks go up to Chicago. Then they go out to... Uh, Oklahoma City to take on the uh, Thunder, so there you go. Atlanta United, by the way, MLS preseason, Atlanta United at Chattanooga's on uh, Saturday the uh, 28th. Is that like a private, closed, weird scrimmage thing, I guess? I don't know. They do all sorts of weird things in that weird culture. But anywho, now you've heard of the notion about Trey Young and everything that's going on in the locker room. Is he the problem, this, that, and the other? We've been through it time and time again. But there's really not much of a precedent for a guy of his status being traded midseason. I think Jason Kidd comes to mind in like 96 or something. It's a rarity. And Trey would be a be an odd fit for a lot of places. Number one, he's now a star and has so much status. There's markets he wouldn't want to play in, certainly. What about the price? How do you deal with such a ball-dominant player on a team with another ball-dominant player where would he fit? Would it be the Knicks? Would it be the Heat? I don't know. What about the notion of him even getting traded? Well, Chris Vivlamore, who's been covering the Hawks for many, many moons, was on with uh, Mark Zeno's show A to Z, and here's what he said about the uh, possibility of Trey Young being traded. Here's what I can tell you from multiple sources. I don't know if it goes anywhere but that has been discussed. That's as, that's as far as I can go, but from multiple people. Whether it happens or not, how serious it is, I don't know, but I know that subject has been broached. There you go. As has John Collins. First I've heard of that one. But then again, we had no idea that all of a sudden, Tony Ressler's son, 27-year-old Nick, who has all this worldly experience, who knows everything about everything, geopolitics, the economy, medicine, science, and clearly how to run an NBA team. He's supposed to get rid of inflation, you know. Yes, he will. <laughs> well, the simple way to do that, quit printing money. He's going to bring do. He's going to bring eggs back down to <laughs> 98 cents. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, here's Chris Vivlamore on, on this weird shuffling of the uh, deck of the Hawks front office? Uh, I don't, main reason, I'm not sure. A reason, certainly. Look, 
in all our reporting, which is is then literally months in the in the making as you you know you told stuff and investigate stuff you know there's some contention there and from people who aren't there anymore uh, you know they lost four senior members of their basketball operations staff that are and the honest answer is there was some contention there how this all plays out if it was the right move if it was the wrong move that's all to be seen but the fact of the matter is and the fair statement is you know there is some contention there that's just a fact so you have Several very experienced people in the front office, they left due to contention. And that contention is all of a sudden, Nick Ressler, the 27-year-old Georgetown Law School graduate, basically has the keys to the franchise. Landry Fields, you have a 33-year-old GM. I don't know what he is, what he can be. But when you have a guy who was as good at his job as Travis Schlink was, all of a sudden just saying, to hell with this. I'm not going to answer to this spoiled kid is what it boils down to. And I'm sorry, I find it hard to believe that. I mean, is he, is he that arrogant when he comes in there because of who his dad is and because of his academic credentials from Georgetown? It's not a stretch. But maybe I'm wrong about it. Maybe I'm being too hard on him. I'm sorry if I am, but I just I just think this sounds ridiculous. No matter how well-intentioned he is, he clearly doesn't know jack about the NBA. Nothing. He's just, it's like his father gave him the keys to this billion-dollar toy. And like I said, why don't you just buy him a sports car? Give him a nice condo on the beach in L.A. and just let him go out there and, I don't know, or why can't he just go to work for uh, King and Spalding across the street from here, or Austin and Bird, or one of those law firms? Why does he have to be running the NBA franchise that I love and follow? Because I just don't think he has the chops for it. He doesn't. This is just absurd. And I get the picture of Nick Resser. He graduated from uh, Georgetown Law School, and he's just laying around all day, smoking weed, eating donuts or whatever. And Dad said, get to work. I'll tell you what, I'll let you run my team. Okay. You know what happens because of that. And like I said, when Travis Schlink took go, when Travis Schlink, when the news broke that he was moving upstairs in an advisor role, you know that man, he's gone. And I said, that's a coup. There is a coup in that building. And I couldn't articulate exactly why, but it reeked of one. And I was curious when the... News broke a long time ago. Why is Landry Fields now the GM? And why was Travis Schlink no longer the GM? And Dylan, do you remember that? Because remember, I was on hiatus from radio for a while, and I didn't follow this as closely. Uh I was more interested in the uh, regular season. This one kind of slipped by me. Why was Landry Fields installed as GM and Travis Schlink moved, I guess, upstairs or whatever? Do we remember the exact reasoning? So – the reason that so he so Larry, um, Travis became the president of CEO and president of basketball operations, and then Landry Fields was also moved up. So that was actually a promotion for Travis Slink. So Travis Slink at first got promoted from general manager to president of basketball operations. So Travis Slink, you know, even though Landry Fields had had a say on stuff, Travis was running the show. He was running the show. Uh, but then you know, another thing that came into this is that Dejounte Murray and, and the shows have all talked about this today. He did not want yeah. to. It's not the fact that he didn't want to 
trade for DeJounte Murray, but he didn't want to give up three first-round picks that's for right, DeJounte that's Murray. That's right. And then not only did Tony Ressler, Nick Ressler, who we've been talking about, not only did no, those two want yeah. to uh, – they they disagreed with Travis Lincoln, and other people agree with disagree with Travis Lincoln. That is where the contention yeah. first started. Well, I mean, Murray's a wonderful player, certainly, but Travis is well aware of that. Those are sacred assets. You can't just willy-nilly get rid of those things because you're always going to seemingly need depth here and there. You might figure out, well, this starter's been good, but we can upgrade because we can have this guy. We can get this guy at number nine or whatever it is, all these other things. So I, you, And Travis Link was big on maintaining assets. Yes. Because assets give you flexibility for other things. And in the defense of Travis Link, too, did the Hawks really – I mean, we'll never know this, but did the Hawks really need to give up three first-round picks for DeJounte Murray? That's a good pick. That's a good point. The Spurs were obvi- the Spurs are obviously rebuilding. Right. They didn't want to bring DeJounte Murray through another rebuild. They probably didn't want to pay him money. That's what it seemed like uh, from, you know, little hints and good clues point. DeJounte Murray has so dropped. Therefore, the, the price wasn't as steep as what the Hawks were willing to pay. Exactly. And that's where a savvy negotiator who has something called, oh, I don't know, experience – comes in handy because Landry Fields doesn't have the sophistication to do that yet. He may be able to eventually, like I said, bright kid from Stanford, but he's only 33. And then as soon, probably as soon as the Hawks offered three first round draft picks, the Spurs were like, Oh, okay. okay give us that. Fine. Uh, fine. We'll let's, let's do it. Seriously. We would have done it for one. Yeah, I but. Know. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. And that's, that's, so as a result, you chase out one of the best minds you've ever had running all those personnel decisions. And like I said, Landry Field, he could end up being wonderful. I don't know yet. But why get rid of that guy that, you know, he's basically the architect of what we see in Golden State right now. His fingerprints are all over that. But no, no. No. Get me Landry Fields. I don't want Travis Lincoln. Get me Nick Ressler. That's absurd. But as for the uh, goings-on on the court, Hawks have now won three in a row, and they seem to play good. Play good. Play well. <laughs> Never much for that book learning. On MLK Day, certainly, especially when they hosted. I don't know why they didn't do this 30 years ago. It was such a no-brainer. The breadbasket of the Civil Rights Movement where Martin King was born, but they didn't. They never had those games during the daytime on MLK Day. It's like, what? And those MLK uniforms, they wore those yesterday, right? The, uh, yeah, they did. No, they didn't. They didn't wear those yesterday. So those were a last year thing. Those were a last year. Uh, no, no, no. Those are the those are the year that we went on the, the run. Oh, that's right. Two years ago. Two years ago. Those were awesome. Last year was like the, the gold yellow that's ones. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Those are cool, though. But anyway, yeah, I digress. But anyway, Hawks do get the win yesterday over a – a team like the Heat that just seems like to give them matchup nightmares and what they did to Trey in the playoffs last year just abused him. But here's uh, Trey on winning three straight. I mean, I think it was I mean, it's good to get a win. Like I said, last game, it's tough when, to win any game in this league. So to get three straight is good. Just got to continue to take it one game at a time. <laughs> this is why this is why I hate post-game athlete interviews. So much. They're not going to give you anything. It's tough to win in this league every day. Just take it one time. 
great soundbite. You literally, like you said about Nate McMillan, you could put him on a recording. You could put any athlete yes. on a recording. Oh, yeah. And they would all say the same thing. Yeah. Well, we win as a team, we lose as a team, you know. You just need literally, you need two recordings. That's right. Uh, after a win <laughs> and after a loss. That's right. You know, everybody played well today. Everybody had my back. They supported me. This guy continues taking one game at a time. Oh, brilliant. Great. What about, um, all right, let's get a little bit more specific, Trey. What, what about yesterday on the floor went well? I mean, that's the point of playing against a, a team and a defense like, like the Heat. I mean, you got to get into the creases and the gaps. They want to force you to take, I mean, contested jump shots. But if you don't settle and you get into the paint, you can find, I mean, good looks. I mean, from the perimeter or up, in, up top with the bigs. Well, finally, you have Clint Capella back. I mean, Okungu, fine player at times, certainly. But he's not Clint Capella. But we can't seem to keep Clint Capella healthy. But he was big time yesterday. It's a big lift having him back. It was good to have him back, you know, to have both he and uh, Oyeka out there. Uh, we know that we have coverage uh, um, at the rim. Uh, that can defend and rebound the basketball. Uh, so it was good to, uh, to to see him on the floor. Yeah, certainly. What about bigger picture now, though? Now you've won three in a row. You can start making your way up the standings, hopefully. What do you think, Nate? You know, we talked about, uh, you know, really uh, the last two games. Uh, we needed to step up our game. You know, basically we talked about where we were uh, as far as the standings. You don't want to start watching uh, the standings, but we know uh, we knew where we were uh, a couple games ago. And we talked about uh, the finish that we're going to need uh, to uh, get ourselves into the playoffs to reach our goal. Well, you're, you're at 500 now, at least, 22 and 22 on the year. And you're uh, a game and a half out of the seventh spot. You're two and a half out of the sixth spot. So if you can string together some wins and the Knicks or a couple teams in front of you can have a, a bad week, next thing you know, you're back there. I just don't think this team has the spine or the capacity to be consistent enough to do that, to sustain anything. It's going to be like, now they're going to lose two in a row. That's what I feel like. I hate to be negative, but I just am. I mean, they, they haven't given me much reason to be positive, but hey, congrats on winning three in a row. That's great. That made me feel good to see that my team won yesterday against a team that gives them fits, by the way. All right, we're going to come back. we we'll to talk some NFL playoffs. Super wild card weekend, which was, in fact, super. It's next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Hey. 
Triple M from Chuck Free. Chuck Free back on Friday night after the Hawks Knicks game. Hawks at Mavericks tomorrow night, looking for their fourth victory in a row. Kyle Corver, now the assistant GM, I guess. Yay. I mean, good. Maybe he'll have some influence in there over Nick Ressler. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, just so disappointed. You, you run out the most senior members of your organization, you bring in a bunch of Self-important, arrogant kids is what it seems like. Maybe Kyle will be the adult in the room. Who knows? As for the NFL playoffs, I guess a lot of people, me included, thinking, well, it seems like the Vikings, you know, I, the word fraud seemed a bit harsh. But, you know, they went 13 games, right? Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins, you know, he gets a rap, can never win on Monday night, can't seem to win big games, and that was the case against the Giants. And Daniel Jones, good Lord. We're more on him in a minute, but as for Kirk Cousins, though, clearly, clearly saying this was a tough one to swallow. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. I'm probably missing one, but this is probably the toughest loss I've had in my career. There you go. I mean, what else can you say, right? It's crazy how literally the world knew that these this this Vikings team led by Kirk Cousins just wasn't going to win. I, I can't name a soul that picked, besides people maybe in Minnesota. Yeah. I can't name anybody that picked the Vikings. Minnesota. Well, the Gophers. The well, don't Gophers. forget the Gophers up in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think everybody was thinking Giants. Now, now the Giants have to contend with um, the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts says, I feel like I definitely have a target. You know they're going to be targeting that shoulder, man. They want to try to put him down on that shoulder. That sounds grisly, but that's the way the game's played. I mean – you don't, you don't want to hurt the guy forever, but if you can get him out of the game, that gives you a better chance to win. That's just how football's played. I mean, focus on the weakness, you know? So, as far as that goes. But anyway, Daniel Jones, though. I mean, I remember this, too. When he got drafted, what, sixth overall out of Duke, people just really just crapped on him. And I was like, why – why are you doing this to this kid? What's he supposed to say? No, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy of being the sixth pick. No, can you please? I'll just I'll sit here and wait till a, another offer comes up. But uh, he has just seemed like he's gotten better and better. Oh, guess what? Throwing the ball, too? Didn't he set a record for a TD passes and rushing TDs, too, by a quarterback, I believe, in the playoffs? And he's playing great. Certainly a, a toughness there. Is he perfect? No, of course not. But here, here's Daniel Jones feeling good, and don't, don't you uh, hate on him for it. I think it's a big win for us. Um, you know, obviously, big playoff game. Uh, I thought we played well all three phases, and um, you know, did enough to win the game. So uh, we'll enjoy it tonight, but a lot of work to do going forward. And I guess you could say, uh, Coach of the Year finalist Brian Dayball, uh, liking what he saw from uh, Mr. Jones. Look, Daniel's. I've said it all year. He's been good for us. He continues to be good for us, and he played a good game. Um, and I think there's a lot of other people that play good games, too, to help him play a good game. He'll be the first to admit it. But uh, as the leader of our football team, um, you know, I'm proud of him. Here's another one from the uh, – this next soundbite is ripped from the pages of the magazine. It's all about our team. That's, you know, we try – it's not an individual sport, but, <laughs> you know, coach, player, trainer. You know, we all have jobs to do. And I expect those guys from, you know, their work ethic, their commitment to the team to, to go out there and, and give it their all. <laughs> just so obvious. Coach Dable just heard the phrase probably like 
30 minutes before he he gave that soundbite, he just heard the phrase for the first time, there is no I in team. There's right. That's right. Right. Or he was like, man, you know what? That's clever. I, I got to incorporate some that somehow into my, to this <laughs> next know. answer. Hey, he couldn't wait to get up there. He had that one holstered and ready. Nor I in originality either, apparently, right? It's like, can we get, can we get something original? Jeez. Well, Joey Bosa, he gave us something original. Of course, you know what happened. Jaguars, Chargers, Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence throws four first-half interceptions and four second-half touchdown passes, and they come back from, what, 27-3 deficit. Them scoring that touchdown right before the half meant everything to them. But Joey Bosa actually does give us something original, talking about Uh. the officials. I mean, if I say something to them, I get a $40,000 fine. But if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season, they get to, they're probably back in the locker room after the game. Like, I got that. Oh, yeah, got him 15 yards. What a loser. I guarantee it. That's what they're talking like in the back. Um, Whatever, power trip. Um, I'm sick of those people. And I'm going to just. About my third F bomb so far. Sorry, but man, oof. <laughs> and unfortunately, the Chargers have a very similar history to the Falcons as I mentioned earlier. They have suffered some catastrophic defeats in the playoffs. First part of this century, they had seven playoff appearances. Five of those seasons, they had double digit wins, more than 11 wins, actually. And all those seven playoff appearances, they advanced past the divisional round. One time, just once. And Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, grandson of Vince Lombardi, who lived and died by running the ball, the Packers sweep. You create a seal here and a seal here, and you run it up the alley. You got to find that one. We'll play it going, going to break. You got to hear, hear the man himself say it. Well, he's fired, his offensive coordinator. But everybody else is thinking, wow, what about, what about Staley, the head coach? A lot of people are wondering about that. Why is Brandon Staley still there? Well, Justin Herbert's not buying that nonsense. We believe in Coach Staley in the front office um, 100%. You know, everyone would be lucky to have a coach like Staley. Um, you know, he's been an incredible leader. Um, he's got the respect of everyone on our team. He's genuine. He's himself, and, and we believe in him. And, and uh, he's been the same person the past two years. And, you know, it, it didn't go our way this year, but we took a big step forward. And we believe in this, this coaching staff, this team. Um, we've got the right pieces. we just got to put them together. We've got to execute better. Now, Justin Herbert, phenomenally talented. Patrick Mahomes even said he can make throws I can't even make. And we know that, the size and, and even the athleticism and everything else. But it seems like he certainly is kind of immune from criticism in ways that, like, Matt Ryan never was. Everything was Matt Ryan's fault. Cancer, Matt Ryan's fault. That dirty water up in Flint, Michigan, that's on Matt Ryan. Inflation, Matt Ryan. But Justin Herbert, for some reason, is, is it because everybody has a man crush on Justin Herbert, I guess. But I think Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence should meet in the playoffs every year and call it the, uh, the hair bowl or the Breck girl bowl. But, but those locks of hair are nothing short of amazing to look at, certainly. Now, as for the Bengals and Ravens. Beneath his stormy surface. <laughs> Beneath a stormy surface. Like barbarians at the gates of Rome. They waited to exploit the soft underbelly of that Minnesota Viking offensive line. Is that, is that what you wanted? <laughs> that was a mistake, but it kind of actually worked out. <laughs> That's okay, because you know what? I, 
because luckily you made it work out, Rob Tribble, and you, I appreciate that. You have that. an agile-minded, lucid-minded, sometimes host, so I can just roll anything. That's because, as Malcolm Gladwell says, you do something for ten thousand hours. I've been doing this about ten thousand hours, so so at least have that going for me. But as for the Bengals and Ravens, now Huntley played very well, except for you you could argue that final play, well, next to last play, where he was trying to reach the quarterback sneak, but it seems like he was at the three-yard line, so that's kind of ill-advised. But it turned in probably, especially if the uh, Bengals win the Super Bowl this year, this will be an iconic play from this season. Third down and goal from the one. Huntley no. sticks the ball out. The Bengals have <laughs> the ball. Baby. They are running it back. <laughs> Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens, 40, nice. the 30, nice. the 20, yeah. the 10, the Woo. 5. Touchdown, Bengals. Woo. Tyler Huntley tried to extend the ball over the goal line. It got poked away. Sam Hubbard scooped it up and ran the length of the field for a go-ahead Bengals touchdown. And they get the victory, though. As for John Harbaugh, all right, key the defensive soundbite. If you win the game, then you, you prove it. You know, we didn't win the game, so they can continue to say what they want, but nobody in our locker room cares what anybody thinks outside of our locker room. So people that know football watch the game. They yes, know we got a heck of a football team. You know, the playoffs, you win, you lose, based on a couple of plays going your way or not going your way. That's just how it always works. You believe that's true? I, I think a lot of players do care what people think. I think a lot of people do care what people think until you get to be like my age and you really stop caring in a big way, actually. But when you're young, though, you care what people think. You certainly do. So, John Harbaugh, you're a liar. <laughs> oh, boy. What's going to happen with his quarterback, though? Lamar Jackson, I, for some reason, I think he ends up with the Jets. The Jets have talent all over that roster, but they're missing a quarterback. Absolutely. As for the uh, 49ers and Seahawks, this one wasn't really close, and the 49ers now won 11 in a row. And I was thinking going into this one, I think the Seahawks have a puncher's chance because not many teams are going to be able to win 11 in a row in the NFL. It's a very rare thing. It happens, certainly, but I thought maybe – Somebody would sneak up on the 49ers, especially in the name of the Seahawks. But what about the year Geno Smith had, though? He had some uh, MVP consideration. He might still get some votes. But uh, here's Pete Carroll on uh, whether or not his quarterback's coming back. Have you guys started those conversations with him about returning next year? There's been the preliminary, you know, the setups and stuff, knowing that there's a time frame and all that. And, uh, but we're not, not steeped in it at all yet. And, uh, you know, it was yesterday or something. You know? It was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, so, <laughs> as soon as the game ends. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> but we're, we're on our way. And, we, you know, feel assured that John's all over it. He, he, he's got it going. As for Rob. Mike Vick, he had, a, he had some comments to say about uh, Lamar Jackson, who has a similar skill set that uh, Mike Vick had. What, what did Mike have to say? But like but, Coach <laughs> said, like you just said, it's the playoffs, man. You three, yeah, game, you three yeah. games away. Put a brace on it. Get it going. And look, put a brace it, on it. Let's it, go. It, I don't know. I, I don't agree with that. In Lamar's case, he doesn't have a deal. Look what happened to RG3. And did you see what RG3 said on, on – well, you might not assume what he said on, on, on Twitter. What did he say? I'm going to pull a tweet up for you. But he was uh, basically saying, like, you know, look what happened when I put a brace right. on it. And uh, give me just a second here. I'm going to – That was a sad – that was a sad day watching him try to play that day on that. I was like, wow. It's, uh, that was that – was, it cost him a lot of money and his career, basically. So I don't, I don't blame 
I mean, you could sit there and say that about Lamar, but I'm sorry. That's, that's interfering with his livelihood. He's just out ca- crawling out of his rookie deal. This is his first big payday, right, in the NFL. So I understand where seven is coming from, Mr. Vic. I get that. This is the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But also, you got to think bigger picture. And there's no telling the animus behind the scenes. I, I, I'm always going to support the player for the most part, unless it's something egregious where it's just extremely selfish. But I don't think he's being selfish in this regard because this could put his career on the line. So what did the, RG3 say? So he said this, quote, This is why you don't just put a brace on it and play. Played with no ACL and LCL for my brothers slash team. Changed the trajectory of my career. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I didn't have the luxury of that. Lamar does. He is, in all caps, doing the right thing, unquote. I agree. I, I completely agree. agree with RG3. Yep. Because, I mean, it, it did. RG3 was never the same no, he wasn't. after that injury in that playoff game. And you're talking about a world-class hurdler, too. RG3 was a beast. He was. He was a, an amazing athlete. Like you said, world-class hurdler. He had the arm on him. He had yep. the athleticism. Yep. And we didn't get to see the, the full potential of Robert Griffin III because of his injury. Now, if uh, Lamar's uh, situation was more stable and he was getting paid, put the damn brace on. Oh, yeah. But in this situation, no, I'm He's sorry. He's got to secure the bag first. I, I am going to secure your bag, man. Secure your bag. I mean, if you look at the economic forecast for this year, all the economists saying it could get pretty rocky and bad, you need to get your bag, dude. At least be able to shield yourself against impending economic chaos. Well, Kyle Corver, great three-point shooter, former Hawk, now assistant GM of the Hawks. He was on the morning show with Fricky and Hugh. We're going to listen to that next because I'm lazy. Sports Radio 929 The Game. Who is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Triple it for a Chuckery. Hawks winners of three in a row on the road tomorrow night at Dallas. Taking on Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. Kyle Korver has been... Uh, Vaulted up to assistant GM under Landry Fields in the Hawks front office. And uh, on with the morning show, Hugh Douglas asked him, what's his transition been like from player to suit? You know what? A lot better than I thought it would be. I, I didn't really see myself. I always thought I would stay connected to basketball. I mm-hmm. love basketball. Like I love this game. And I always thought I would be connected to it. I always felt like, you know, in life you, you choose something and then you work really hard at it. and and hopefully you learn some things, and then it's kind of your responsibility to, to pass it along and let the next generation take it somewhere better than, than you could. Um, and, but I always thought that would gravitate more towards the coaching side, to be honest with you. Um, but I've actually really enjoyed this process. I think, you know, for me, I spent a lot of time with, with player development, so I, I still do get that time on the court with guys and talking with guys. Um, but I, I found myself really enjoying this and, and excited about the vision that, that, that we're uh, creating. All right, so what is, uh, what is an assistant general manager? What, 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 walk me through your kind of duties and responsibilities. What do you, what, what's number one in your list? Yeah, well, number one on my list is player development. Um, I, want, I don't want 
I, I want to have the best player development system in the NBA. Like, there's a lot of teams that are known for this, and I really want us to be known for how smart and intentional we, we're living in this space. Um, so this is going to be a, a big part of my focus. Obviously, there's things with roster and salary and, and all those things, but, like, player development to me is where I'm going to put a lot, of, a lot of my focus and energy. Um, I want players, when you walk in the door, I don't want people just telling you what to do and you go do the work. I want you to own this career. Right, you have an amazing opportunity to maximize uh, this uh, this this opportunity. I, I want you to own it. I want you to know your body. I want you to know your game. I want you to know who you want to be. And then once you tell me those things, we are going to create the smartest, most intentional plans on you being the player that you want to be. And so that's really where I'm focused the most. I feel like you know, in in basketball, you can you can help a team get better in a lot of ways. You can. You can hire people, you can fire people, you can trade people, you can draft people, and you can develop people. And I think our, our intention is to be a, a, a development-first um, organization, and this is a lot of what I'm going to be doing right now. I can tell you right now, Kyle, I, I like the way you sound. Man. You sound like you're real passionate about what you do, but, but at the end of the day, this is, this is the first job on this side of it, being in the front office. What actually is your end game? Do you see yourself being a GM, or where do you see this taking you? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I thought I was going to go towards coaching. Now I'm here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I think, I think I don't have a clear plan of like a career path with this. Mm-hmm. I think I want to find ways that I can be helpful, ways that I can step into a space and actually use my experiences to help a team, help a player, help a coach get better. And wherever this path leads, it's cool. Um, but I think right now this is a great opportunity I have a great partner in Landry Fields. Um, I think we're going to have a great partnership, and I'm I'm just excited about where this is going to take us. You, you got it, John. Former Hawk star Kyle Korver joining John and Hugh on Sports Radio 92 the game. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this team uh, and where they stand at the moment, Kyle, as you see him as the assistant general manager getting ready for this game against Dallas tomorrow. 22-22, and 22, they won three of their last four. We did take it now that the team is finally healthy. What we've seen over the last three uh, games here is the best that this Hawks team has looked to me all season. Are they finally getting this chip righted? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I, I think I don't know where I cut off exactly, but I think just us getting back to 500 is a big deal. I think the last three games, I think I've really, I've really liked how we've played. I think there's been a certain level of connectivity between our players and coaches, and and that's really what we want to see. I, I think you know the first half last night was lovely basketball, watching us make the plays at the end of the game to win the game. Um, and then getting Clint back out there, it's just such a big deal. You know, he's, he's missed a lot of time this last month and just seeing him out there, the impact that he has, he's just so, he's, he's so big for us. So I think getting back to 500, we got some good vibes in the locker room and we want to keep on building this thing. You know what, Clint, you, you, I mean, Kyle, you touched on something that, uh, that I, I'm, I'm curious about because I never played basketball, but I, I'm curious. And, and the question is this. How how important is it for there to be a, a strong connection between the players and the coaches as far as, you know, like, like I guess, the, for lack of a better way to say it, the respect and things of that nature? How important is that connection? It's huge. I mean, life is all about relationships, right? And it's that way in your family. It's that way in your work. It's that way in basketball. And I think, you know, where, where we're trying to go is that there, there's a certain level of trust that, you know, we're going to challenge each other but we're also going to support each other. And both those things go hand in hand, right? You can't just have high levels of support without high levels of challenge. and You can't have high, have high levels of challenge without high levels of support. And I think where we're trying to go is we have a really good balance of both of those. Mm-hmm. 
But that all boils down to trust, right? You have to, you have to build trust, and trust takes time, and trust takes one-on-one conversations. And so, like I said, between development and, and, and relationships, these are areas where we can keep on pushing in right now and keep on trying to get better at. You know, with, with the 60-win team that you were on, Kyle, that went to the finals, the Eastern Conference finals, that team was as connected, it seemed to me, watching you guys play, uh, you know, in terms of your ability to move the basketball. And you said yesterday that it was beautiful basketball the first half. That's kind of what it reminded me of. I mean, they moved the ball in the fashion of that team that you were on, that 60-win team that you were on. Why can't we see that every day? Oh, man, that's, that's the great – that's the question for every team. It's not just our team. You know, yeah. there's a certain flow that, you know, when, when teams are playing together, when you have a mindset of how can I make the guy next to me better, right? If I'm going to approach this game and say, like, I'm not out here just trying to score a certain uh, number of points, but how can I make the guy next to me better? What can I do out here that helps him be at his best? And I think that 60-win team was the best that I'd ever been on. In, in that regard, we had guys who we, we knew individually, like we weren't, we weren't super, super talented. We had a lot of really good players, but we didn't have any superstars. And so we knew that for us to be the best versions of ourselves, we had to depend on each other. And I, I look at our team right now, and I, I think you're seeing glimpses of that. I think the last three games, um, you know, I think the first half last night, it was really fun to watch. It was guys playing for each other. And I think that's a, that's something that every team is pushing for, right? I think, you know, last night we had the good first half. The second half, Miami adjusted. They went into a zone to try to take a lot of that away. It happened. Um, you know, but these are things that, that we're going to keep on preaching and keep on trying to get better at. Okay, Kyle, realist, because you, you got me excited. I'm not going to lie, because you sound real positive, oh. and, and, and uh, I, I like that. Realistically, how long is this process going to take? Because this is not going to happen overnight. I know we got off to a good start. We're on this three-game winning streak and everything. But how long is this process going to take that you're talking about, getting everybody on the same page and being comfortable? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good question. I, I can't tell the future. I think there's certain things that you can control and there's certain things that you can't, right? And there's a lot of things that, that, that we just can't control. But what we can control, going back to what I was saying earlier, is relationships and development. And so for us the rest of the season, you know, we want to keep winning games. We also want to keep individually getting better. Mm-hmm. Like how 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 are we individually being better and then trying to leverage that for the greater good of of the group? And it's just you know it's every day it's this it's this one degree shift. And I think you know we're trying to lay out a process of how if we can do this every single day, we're going to get there. And you know is that six months? Is that a year? Is that three years? Five years? We're you know we're trying to lay out all that process so that we have our goals and things we're trying to hit. Um, but really it's 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 the daily battle. And so. I think, you know, for us, looking at the last three games, and I think we feel good. We're excited about a lot of things that are happening, and we just got to keep on building. Oh, God, no. Three years, five years? I don't want to hear any part of that. Look at the Hawks from, what, 1999 to about 2010. It's just god-awful. It is awful. I mean, the players' families wouldn't even come watch them play. It's like, no, I'm good. Good luck tonight. I ain't going. That that time period that you speak of was nothing, at least from what I can remember, was nothing but mediocrity every year. It's sucking Joe, to mediocrity. Iso Joe. <laughs> Iso Joe, Josh Smith, oh. Josh Childress. Oh, oh. oh. please, Shel- Kyle. The, the, the answer, Sheldon Williams. Oh, God. 
Marvin Williams instead of Chris Paul. Don't, don't, don't do that, please. I can I can go on and on. John Conkak instead of Chris Mullen or Carl yep. Malone. I go on and on about that history of a Hawks draft utility. Oh, please don't make this be a three to five year thing. You have a decent core right now. If you can just get them to play, play defense, maybe a new coach is needed. Maybe. I don't know. You've won three in a row, though. Maybe. Winning cures everything, though. How about going a run here? Why not? Why can't you? You've got good players, too. Why can't you? See, it goes back to what I've – my nonstop refrain about this team. A lot of it seems like to come down to desire and passion and no listlessness. You shouldn't have to be encouraged to play defense. I mean, it's absurd. I hope we can get more out of that, though. But We're going to switch over to college football at the top of the hour. Now, SEC's pretty intriguing going into the offseason, certainly, but they've got to tweak something for the College Football Hall of Fame. Stetson Bennett not eligible because he wasn't an All-American. That is crazy to me. That's crazy. It looks like he is going to get that invite to the uh, Senior Bowl, though. And, of course, he had to play his way into attractiveness, though, at 5'11", five, five, 190. I get that. But Todd, Todd Munkin was saying, my gosh, the NFL is doing a lot of the same stuff high schools and colleges are now with RPOs and stuff like that and a mobile quarterback. And, you know, but the fact that he's not eligible for the Hall of Fame because of something as dumb as that when he is more decorated than probably 90% of the guys in the College Football Hall of Fame. Has nothing to do with what he's going to do as a pro. And what he did in college. And real quick, Rob, while we're speaking of UGA, this isn't UGA football related, but UGA bat. Limp Mike, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but UGA basketball up right now on Kentucky, thirty-three to twenty-four. They're not. They're not real thrilled with John Calipari. No, they're off to their worst start in a while. I think losing record in the conference, they were like ten and seven. I think they lost to Tennessee the other other night. I was watching bits of that game, and it just. Uh, that's a very restless fan base up there. That's everything to them up there, college basketball and Calipari. And Georgia's had some success before against uh, Kentucky every once in a while, but now it seems like they're real vulnerable, and Georgia's playing well. I mean, somebody's mentioning, Dave, you know, with Steve Coonan, of course, going to UGA, let's get some Georgia games down here. Might be a, might be a bit of a draw. I mean, we have not been relevant in this state in college basketball outside of Georgia State. And Mercer, for that matter. And Georgia Tech had the one okay year where they had Jose yeah. Alvarado. That's right. And, and um, Moses Wright uh, right. when they won the ACC tournament. And I think that was the year. Didn't Moses Wright get hurt? Yes. They won their first tournament game. Then you knew since he got hurt. Yep. You knew where they're not going to win that second game. And that, that was heartbreaking. That and was. they're mediocre this year. Yeah. They're, they're. They've got a nice win over 12th ranked Miami a couple of weeks ago. But Georgia's playing, I think they're like 13-4 and four or something like that, I believe. So, hopefully – some of that uh, championship mojo can rub off on the basketball team, and they don't have to uh, hang their heads low when they walk into the athlete dining hall. The football, the great the football players are here today. They're going to make fun of us. Here we are, and, uh, and we just and we just lost to we just lost to Stetson the other night. And they, <laughs> so hopefully, because I'm telling you, March Madness is a lot more fun when Tech and Georgia, and of course Georgia State too. I mean, nobody roots harder for Georgia State than most people in Atlanta when they're in. And they've given us something to root for. Still got to get to a game at the Convocation Center, though. So good they finally got a new building over there at Georgia State. That old place was ridiculous. You had, like, go upstairs, I think, then downstairs, and then run down a hall, then jog downstairs and back up some stairs, get to the area. It's like like walking into Ikea over there at Atlantic Station. It's terrible. 
We're going to come back and uh, talk dogs. And there's some interesting uh, storylines in the SEC heading off this offseason because it just means more. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.